Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my amazing guest today, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your day started and also a self-care tip of things I'm incorporating that I hope you can use as well to best benefit you for the week going on. So my marketing tip of the day, um, we kind of touched upon this in this podcast today, but the value of showing up on all social media platforms, not just Facebook and Instagram is so, so important. I think people undermine Twitter, people undermine Pinterest, YouTube, all the things like it's more important to be more places than to be selective just because you really limit about how many people you can access. So when you're really thinking about where to show up and put your time, it's not about creating new content for each platform. You can repurpose and add content the same way you're adding to the multiple places. So definitely, definitely show up on all platforms and really, really be consistent. I promise it will make such a difference. Self-care tip of the day, I would say the importance of setting boundaries. This has come up for me a lot this week. I think it's really, really important to be clear on what is acceptable to create a healthy lifestyle for yourself and not feel guilty and saying no to things that don't serve you positively. Um, I think this is something we all are going to go through on our lives journeys together, but I do think that it comes up in certain periods of your life. Me being pregnant, I feel like my boundaries have become more clear of what I can take on and what I can't. So if I can give any advice, like if something's not serving you positively right now, like it's okay to let it go. The void will be filled in such a better way. I can't can't share enough about that. So that is my self-care tip of the day. Um, now I'm so excited to bring on the amazing Emma Jean, who is one amazing best-selling children's author. We talk all about you know, children's books, how she became an author, STEM and the benefits of that, her newest ventures and so much more. So I'm so excited for you to meet her. Stay tuned for this amazing guest, Emma G. The ups, the downs and all the in-between, what it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us. At Next On Scene. Welcome back to Becoming Next On Scene, everybody. I am so excited to be here with the amazing Emma Jean, best-selling children's author. Emma Jean, what a pleasure it is to have you today. How are you doing? Oh my goodness, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I- I'm doing great and just thrilled to be talking with you. So excited to have you. And you are such a world-renowned traveler. You're right. You're almost completing now your third book. Like, talk to us about how you even fell into the world of being an author. Um, I think sometimes I explain being an author, and this is kind of funny, so forgive me if it sounds crass, as like almost like a mental illness. It's like you can't turn it off. Just all the time you're looking at the world and books are going through your head. And all the authors I've been talking to lately are like, yeah, I have that. Like, it just never stops. It's- that's hilarious. What an interesting analogy, though. So, like, when did you get get this creative edge, though, to, like, write your first book? So I had been writing for about a decade and just doing it the traditional way. And my first book, I was, like, I had written and tried to put out with agents, and they had all their standards, and they were saying, you're meeting our standards, but we're just not ready. 
And then I figured out I have to build something myself if I want them to take me seriously. So I figured out how to do it. And it turns out the technology behind publishing, it's night and day from what it used to be. And you can just build a following, get readers and keep all the profits yourself, basically, if you figure out the tech. Which is amazing, right? Everybody wants that, right? But like in terms of like the process of completing a book, like how long does it actually take you? I mean, obviously now I'm assuming it's different because you have experience, but like with your first book from start to finish, like how long did that take you? My very first book took me 10 years. I started writing when I was 14 and I finished it at 24. Oh my God. Hey, listen, you completed it. Great job. Thank you. Right? Like that's awesome. So, okay, now that you have a flow, though, it probably didn't take you 10 years. So how long did it take you to complete the other two? Um, to complete the, the other ones that I have out there, it took me three years, I would say. Um, three years is normally about the process. Love it. Pretty impressive. And then how in length, like how long are they? So the two that I have right out now are middle grade books. So you're talking like nine to like 13, around that range. And so they are like 200 pages or so. Wow. A lot of love goes into these things. You can tell three years makes sense. (laughs) Yes. A a lot of thought, a lot of love and a lot of connection with the characters. Right. Which is so fun. So like what inspires like the characters you come up with? So um, for my first book that went out, Charles McCheese and the Childhood News Network, that was I was a mom, right? A new mom sitting there with a bunch of preschoolers just playing in front of me all the time. And so I just watched them and my my head just turned into a fantasy world of what <laughs> if I take these hilarious, unevolved personalities, right? Because they're just like babies, totally. but they have like, you, you can totally play up those crazy characteristics. And so I used to tell that story to my son. So he'd be interested of him and his best friends on adventures around the world. I love that. So awesome. And so this is what I find so interesting about you too, because you're a full boy mom, right? Like two boys. Two boys. And you're like really empowering STEM and girls in your writing. So can you talk more about that? Like what inspired that and how did that come about? Sure. Um, There's kind of like the saying, like, write the book you wanted to read as a child. That's a a children's author thing. I've never heard that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was such a tomboy and like just did everything that my big brother was doing and princesses were cool. And like some of my friends were just such princesses. They had the dresses, they had everything, but they were also like super tough and cool. And the princesses just weren't dynamic enough. And so (laughs) I was like, let's give them like the princesses they deserve, right? Like you want to be beautiful. You want to wear a dress and heels and you also want to cure cancer, let's get on board for that. Why are we fighting this? Love it. And so that's kind of Sleeping Beauty and the Curse Code in a nutshell. So creative, like so creative. And now you're launching this new awesome program, Steminist. Can you tell us more about what that is? So actually, I didn't start the Steminist movement. Okay. Um, I, I've kind of like connected into the Steminist movement. And that is basically women in every field, because obviously I'm not in a STEM field, I'm an author, that are working together to empower the next generation of girls so that they have the role models they need to count themselves in instead of opting out. Because, I I mean, think about you, right? You You are obviously very tech savvy. You are a very smart woman creating all this stuff on your own. But I bet there was a moment in your life that you told yourself, probably very young, I, I'm not going to become a doctor or I'm not going to become a scientist. And it's probably because you looked at a bunch of old men doing those jobs 
And we're like, why would I want to go over here? So true. Love that. So basically you would go in and like, do you like mentor them? Like, what does that look like exactly? So right now um, I'm working with several nonprofits trying to find the right opportunities to help young girls get those role models in front of them. So talk to them, also bring some of my friends along and get people learning about their options as they grow. But actually that's not, that's not the huge project that I'm, I'm working on right now. The one that I'm working on right now that I'm most excited about, I'm about to launch something called the Children's Author Academy. It should be coming out in a couple weeks. And the Children's Author Academy is literally built around the concept, let the schools teach your children how to write. I will make them an author. Let me teach them how to be an author. That is so cool. What made you think of this idea? This is brilliant. A lot of help from a lot of people I've been working with. And it's just, kids have been at home, right? My son has been at home learning during COVID. And now we know that our children can learn on the computer. And so it's the perfect time to bring a virtual academy where those children that have these giant dreams, they don't have to wait. They can work with me. I can teach them everything I know. I can bring in all the authors I'm friends with and they can learn from them. And then they can have their own book and they can look you in the eye and they can tell you truthfully that they are an author. Freaking awesome. That's such a boss thing to do, Evangeline. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. I am so excited to be working on this. And I mean, so how excited. can you not be? That's so inspiring. Yeah. So like you're, you're planning, like this would be like a national thing, right? This is not just a local Massachusetts. Absolutely not. I, I'm yeah. hoping that this will be an international launch because so cool. one thing that we've seen is like so many people around the world are connecting with these messages. And I find that like, I work with tons of people. I want to say like, in Pakistan is like a really popular area where I get a ton of tech help. And I've like started connecting in all these communities where people just count them out. And it's like, no, like those are your business connections just because they're in a different country. They can make, yeah, it just doesn't matter anymore. Like work with the talent because it's out it. there. I love it. It's so, I could not agree with that more because I work with people internationally too. Like there are people that just can't do what you, what they can, what we can do here. Like they just, they just can't, right? Right. Absolutely. So, so interesting. So cool. All right. So when is your next book coming out? So my next book is actually held up right now. Everything is ready. It is going to be my first picture book. So um, exciting. Prince Liam and Mokiki. <laughs> Mokiki is a monkey and uh, they, they go on adventures through the jungle together This is definitely like a feel-good, happy story for your kids. And I am trying to tie it to a new picture book writer movement that I'm trying to start online, where I'm trying to get everybody to bring their books in like a Canva file, basically, and get them on Instagram all under the same hashtag. So every single child all around the world can actually get access to these new books, new ideas, with just a hashtag, we can give them all that. So freaking cool. And what do your boys think about their mom being a children's author? Do they love it or what? So my younger son, Hunter, he's only three. And basically, if he could shred all my papers and smash my computer, <laughs> that would be like a great day for him because he's a three-year-old and that's what they like to do. Uh, Charlie has been like, he, he's just naturally creative and he's on board. And he talks to me through story ideas. I'll be like, Charlie, do you think this is funny? And he'll be like, 
absolutely not. And no other kid would think that's funny. And he, he's like my number one consultant for just like, what is actually going on with kids and what do they think is absurd and what do they actually like? That's so important. That's like a great point. Do you have a girl, a young girl perspective? So I like, I get a lot of people that talk to me about their daughters, but like, it's really weird to be like, Hey, can I hang out with your daughter? Cause I only have time. <laughs> I'm sure like, but I'm sure though, like if they follow you on Instagram or even somehow come across you, they'd be like, I want to get to know Emma Jane. She's awesome. Like, well, I appreciate that. And hopefully with the children's author Academy, I'm going to start to hear tons of perspectives from totally. little girls about like what stories they want to see out in the world. I love it. Freaking awesome. And like, what is like the end goal for you? So like how many books, like do you see a vision of like how many books you eventually want to publish? Like what are some big goals that you have? Um, so my biggest goal was to become a published author and I accomplished that goal and it, it was amazing. <laughs> and then it was like, what can I do now to build a business around this? And so this year, my mind is all about the business and like, how can we bring an amazing product to the world? And so that product I'm hoping to bring is this academy that can hopefully change a lot of lives. And from there, well, if I, I, if I can accomplish that this year and I accomplished that last year, I'm kind of out of dreams. And so we're going to have to really do some thinking. <laughs> I think it will come to you when you accomplish it, right? Like that's usually what happens. I'm assuming this child's academy thing came to you after you finished your books, right? Your most recent book? Yes. After I had become an author, it was like, wait, there's more here. Like you love being an author and like you love working with children. So how do you put them together? I love it. So awesome. So you're originally from Mass, right? I am. Love it. And so born and raised and still here. Born and raised. And it's, it's just like home. You can go anywhere in the world, but like you always find your way back. So true. So true. Time flies too. Absolutely. Two kids, man. I'm having my first one. I'm like, damn, like where am I going to be in a couple of years? That's so crazy. Well, this, this is the big change, right? Like I was on the early side for having kids. And so I'm coming out on the other side. Whereas like women like you that dove head first into careers are now starting to have children. And so it's this, it's this weird momentum, but it's, it's kind of amazing because it's someone like me can talk to you and be like, don't worry. Like I can tell you what's going to happen with your kids and you're going <laughs> to do great. And you can be like, don't worry. Cause I've been figuring out all this business stuff and I can help you do great there. So true. Teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Okay. So before you play game time and share more fun facts about you, can you share if people can follow you on social media, get in touch. And if there's anything you want to offer us, please feel free to share. Absolutely. So the the easiest way to find me, you can hop on my Instagram at Emma Jean Author. If you're not an Instagram person, you can find me on Twitter or uh, you can go old fashioned and find me on my website. It's really easy to remember. It's four pigs to fly with numbers instead of words. And so four pigs to fly.com because at the very beginning I was told like, well, your dreams will come true when pigs fly. So I, I was like, good, then this is what it'll take to make pigs fly. I love it. I was going to ask that as a question. Like, where did that company name come from? I love it. That's freaking awesome. Thank okay. you. Let's talk about fun facts about Emma Jean. So you have worked in, you worked as a licensed school counselor. I did. Yeah. Okay. So tell us more about that. And then also you've traveled the world and like taught there, right? So let's talk more about that too. <laughs> sure. So 
I became a school counselor. I was kind of like fresh out of college and I was working as a residential counselor. And if you don't know what that job is, you're kind of lucky, to be honest. It is like, it is scary. It is physical. It is kids that have seen so much trauma in their lives that they cannot safely be in society anymore, which is just like, can you imagine like, like someone they're here for 10 years on this earth and they are so traumatized that they have to be removed from everyone else and only trained professionals can even come near them. Wow. And so when I was doing that, I was like, I, I want to make the world a better place. Like I have all these good intentions, but I'm destroying myself doing it. And so I went back, I went to grad school, got my master's in school counseling. And when I did that, I ended up at like a very, very difficult area in Massachusetts. I had first been in Worcester and I had a great time there. I ended up over in New Bedford. And the things that I saw at that school and the things that I was not able to help at that school from like, you know, not just like in the building, but actually in the community, the amount of suffering, poverty that these people were facing in the United States. And I was looking for help for these children and there was not any help. Everyone I got help for ended up coming back being like, you will not believe what happened to me when I tried to get help. And I, my, my husband was just like, at some point you lose, like at some point you pour all of yourself into this, you don't make any change and it just breaks you. And so that was when I was like, you know what, you're right. Like I am walking away because I won't do harm and I don't know how to fix it. And, And so if you want like the big dream of my life, I realized that you can't fix any systemic problems until you have a voice and until you have enough money to do it. And so I will never be able to speak for those children until I actually have built myself big enough that people will hear me. Because otherwise, I was just a school counselor saying like to, you know, a lot of like nonprofits and stuff had helped fund the school and saying like, your ideas are wrong and you're hurting children. And, and who was I? And you were really the one making all the difference, but it just wasn't being shown. It, w- it was just, it was bigger than me. Yeah. Wow. What an interesting point though. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like school districts in any society all have their own baggage, right? I mean, I think about even some of the wealthiest areas, just because I I grew up around those towns and even like my nieces grow up in those, like they all have their own stuff too. Absolutely. You know, no how wealthy or how poor, like everybody's got shit. Excuse my language, but it's so true. Right. There, there yeah. is so much suffering out there and in every community and, and people minimize it. Like, right. Like, like your niece, you're saying in like probably a wealthier community and she might have some suffering and everyone's going to say, oh, she's fine. And they're not going to listen to her because they think she has some kind of privilege where she doesn't need to be heard exactly. or like, or like someone in the totally opposite position and you just minimize their voice for a totally opposite reason. But either way, you're minimizing the voices of people who are hurting. It's so true. I love that. You need to start talking about that more in your content. <laughs> Put it out there, MG. Put it out there. I love that. That's so good. Okay, I'll make so a note. Yeah, please make a note. Okay, I want to talk about the places you've worked abroad. So Costa Rica, Sri Lanka, Armenia, Tanzania. Like talk about these experiences. What was that like? I learned one thing that I try to tell everyone from being all over the third world. Like we are so alike wherever you go, whatever people you are with, 
no matter how much they don't look like you, they don't eat like you. They, they are so similar to you. Like I sat across the table with, I, I was staying with the host family in Sri Lanka. I was a 20 year old woman and the host mother had all her family around and she only had one son and her son was like in his thirties. And so she wanted to spoon feed me like a baby in front of like all her families to show how motherly she was. And like, now that I'm a mother, yeah, I totally get what she was doing. Like at the time I was like mortified, but it's like, that's what people are like. Like they love their families. Like your, your mom is still going to be embarrassing to you in public, no matter where you are, this stuff is so true. So true. That shit does not go away. Right. That's hilarious. (laughs) So in terms of like lifestyle though, like adjusting in terms of like the day to day, like culturally you're saying we have a lot of similarities but like, sure. did it take you a while to like adjust? So after, I'm so lucky that I did my traveling and got all of this out of my system before I had children. Since Charlie has been born, I think I, I've been out of the country once. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to getting back out there and starting to travel again. But for me at that age of like in my early 20s, traveling was easy. If you want me to sleep on a reed mat in the floor, I could handle it. No problem. And no, like it would be hard, but the adjustment that you would feel as like a 30 year old, 40 year old or 50 year old is going to be more intense. Totally. But like, we're talking like no hot water at a lot of places, like outdoor bathrooms. And the biggest thing for me though, that I ever faced was the spiders. (laughs) How is that? In Sri Lanka, they're Buddhist, right? It's it's like a thing. You're not supposed to just be killing insects. And they're in the jungle. <laughs> so how big were these spiders were we talking? Like huge, like tarantulas or what? Like you wish it was a tarantula. Oh. Like half the wall covered in a spider. And me just like the whole host family just not scared. And me about to cry. And then being like, well, Michelle, if you're, or Emma Jean now as we've evolved. If you are like really want us to, we will ruin our karma for you. And they literally once they bought like Roach Killer at the store, That's and they were hilarious. like, "My karma is so bad." That's hilarious. Yes, it was. And I so insects and creepy crawly stuff. That's hard for me. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's hard for a lot of people. Definitely for me too. I think I'd have anxiety for sure. So cool. Like what a cool background you have. I love it. Okay. There's one other thing you told me about. Okay. So you have used social media in about a year until you started growing your audience, right? So tell me about the transition of really coming online from being an author, all the creative and now doing the marketing and all of that. Like, how was that transition experience for you? Terrifying. (laughs) It's so true. Right. Understandably, completely. Uh, one thing that I've learned that is like my background, obviously in psychology and marketing, it's like psychology's evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the marketing, like the, the thoughts behind it haven't been hard to grasp, but I've been like, oh my gosh, like these people are better at psych than the actual psychologists. Like they, they're putting it all together, the sociology and the psychology, and they are literally manipulating the forces that are running this earth. And now it's like, I feel like I have this magic lens where I can see it happening, where before all this, until a year ago, I didn't know this world existed. I was completely blind. Crazy, right? 
But also just like you were saying about working with all these people now internationally and getting viewers and all these things, like you would not have that access if it weren't for these avenues, right? Not as fast or in the same way. Never. I would not, it wouldn't be possible. So that's like the beauty of that. So it allows you to like expand and be seen by people that you wouldn't have probably as quickly, right? Absolutely. And it's just a matter of opting in. Like it it wouldn't have mattered if I had been doing it for 10 years. It was the moment that I said, like, I'm going to take this serious and I'm going to figure out that the whole internet was like, here are the keys to the kingdom. Just look. (laughs) You know, one other topic I wanted to talk to you about briefly too, was that the fact that Dr. Seuss was canceled and like, how has that affected young children, what you're writing about and what you're putting out there? So I grew up my whole life emulating Dr. Seuss. I love Dr. Seuss too when I was younger. Right? Like it was just what we learned. But also as an author, it was the only thing that read that way with those kind of lyrics that I could hear in my head. And so like that learning to play with language was like magic for my brain. And so then when like all of this happened and Dr. Seuss started getting canceled, I, I almost panicked because I was like, one, like, I totally agree. Like, if something is created that gives someone a horrible image of themselves, is created with, like, a history of racism, then this is a horrible thing and we should address it. But also, there is a reason why we separate art from artists. Mm-hmm. Artists are some of the most flawed people in society. Art comes from pain. We don't need to emulate artists for who they are as a human being. But sometimes their creation can really change things. And so Dr. Seuss's work for so many people has changed the way children think about language. And so like, yes, if you want to say like, Dr. Seuss, we shouldn't have that anymore. Okay, but you also need to bring in an alternative because you are taking away a piece of one of the best tools I know for creative language and creative language acquisition. And at that age point, like, if they miss that moment of that love that language will spark for them, I don't know how you replace it. So it's just for me, one of those issues that again, like I don't know how to fix. I just don't want us to throw away something that could inspire the next generation, which is his ability with language. But absolutely. Like I don't agree with anything that was hurtful to anyone because I want to see everyone succeed and grow. Totally. And you know, what's so interesting. I feel like as us, we would have never known that it was racist or any, like I would have never known that. Right. I never knew it until um, a book influencer I follow would like shared all these images and they were, they were stories like I didn't know. And I was, I was disgusted. I couldn't understand how I missed it. And also though, for someone that worked with children, I get why they're like, well, just get rid of it because how do you ex- Uh, Now knowing that, well, now knowing that, right? Like, absolutely, completely agree with that. But like, how, because how do you talk to kids, right? About like a history of racism at that age in context to art with the nuances that we as adults struggle with. So true. So, so I think that's probably why they, they pulled it so fast. But for me, like one of like my defining stories, I had titled like Emma Jean Soups. And it was like a, a play on words about like the, 
the persona I was creating as this children's author and who this was as a child. And it was like one of my most fun stories. And I, I've shared it on my Instagram. It gave me the idea for what I'm trying to do. And it, it had like a huge reach. People still comment on that story all the time. And for me, I was in this moment of, should I pull Emma Jean Seuss? Like, am I sending the wrong message? And, and like, this shows like how much I didn't understand what was happening before it happened. The illustrator that worked with me on that, the little girl that she colored was um, African-American just because that was the voice that she heard and saw. And, and so then when all this happened, I was, I was really conflicted about the right move. Totally. It's so hard in today's world, huh? In all aspects of life, not even just in this world. One of the best things that I ever heard was someone at a job I had once, they said, assume best intentions. And so that is how I navigate most of that stuff. When I talk to people, I try to assume that they have the best intention and I respond to that version. I love that. I love that outlook. I'm going to use that from now on. Thank you for that. (laughs) Of course. I'm so glad. Yeah, that's super good. Love that. Okay. So now it's play game time. There's no rush to answer how fast, um, but it'll just be a fun way for us to get to know you more. So Emma Jean, what's your favorite food? Chocolate. What kind of chocolate are we talking here? All. <laughs> but like, like, what's like your go-to? Like, if you had a choice between all the chocolate that was optional, the closest chocolate in the world. <laughs> <laughs> are you a dark, dark chocolate, milk chocolate? Like, what are we talking? Are, so definitely milk chocolate. Like, if if you give me dark chocolate, I'm still going to eat it, but I'll be less happy about it. <laughs> are you like a Hershey's chocolate? Are you like a? I'm. Tr- I mean, I don't know all the chocolate brands, but. Well, I'm sorry for you because I certainly yeah. do. <laughs> um, Brand-wise, I don't know. Like if I've got a dollar in my pocket, a Hershey bar is going to hit the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm feeling like I really get some money to spend, like maybe I'll get a lint bar. I love it. <laughs> it's true though. The price points are different. So it does depend. That really is a valid point. That's hilarious. Oh my God. So funny. Okay. If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life from head to toe, what would it be and why? (laughs) This is all going to make me look like sound terrible. Um, I'm, I have these ridiculous pink pajama shorts and they have little polar bears on them and they are, they are made for someone that easily weighs a hundred pounds more than me. So they don't even fit, but so it's like, it's the most comfortable piece of clothing I own. And like probably just like a tank top and not go on zoom that sounds amazing i first of all i love pink and polar bears so it doesn't matter what the hell size it is like that sounds great like so cute and are we doing slippers or what i'm kind of a barefoot person i like to wander outside barefoot love it upset my husband by coming in with dirty feet but (laughs) (laughs) oh my god this is hilarious oh i love these answers of ours they're so great Where's your favorite place you've ever traveled? And what's a bucket list place you've never been you want to go? Costa Rica. Everything about Costa Rica. Like, they, they don't have a military, or at least they didn't when I was there. And they spend their extra tax money on conservation. I, like, was living with, like, a group of people there. And I was asking them about their police force. And they were like, well, like, if they want to pull you over, like, you can stop or you don't have to. Like, it doesn't really matter. And I was like, aren't you afraid? And they were like, why? (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, they say, like, Pura Vida all the time, which is just, like, pure life. And it's just such a different, beautiful culture of just peace. Like, it just felt like peace. 
Where in Costa Rica were you when you went? So I've been there a handful of times. And so I don't know that I remember the names of the places. Um, I know that one time I went with a group called Cross-Cultural Solutions. So if you ever wanted to try something like this, you, you could use Cross-Cultural Solutions and they would get you set up volunteering there. That's so cool. To go. Yeah. Because I just like, so I went a couple months ago. I don't remember. I don't even remember the town I stayed in, but I know it wasn't like the capital. Do you know the capital's name? So I forgot. No, okay. Embarrassing. No. <laughs> Everybody's going to listen and be like, duh, Emma Jean and Jackie, it's this, right? Like, I need to Google this. <laughs> okay, so next question. What's your bucket list place you want to go that you've never been? Antarctica. Definitely. Wait, so do people actually go there? Yes. Wow. I think there's a cruise ship that goes there. I've heard that before. Isn't it freezing? I, I would think so. <laughs> Okay, so what makes you want to go there? Like, fill me in. Polar bears? Well, I'm I'm not, like, overly keen on, like, meeting a polar bear. But I guess there's, like, research stations. And there's stuff happening there. And I love things that I don't understand at all. So, like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know what's happening there. And so I just want to find out. I love it. I feel like it's such a unique place and, like, forever memorable place to go. Because you probably will go once and be all set. Right, like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna make a return trip. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious, like, how long that flight is, too. I'm so fascinated by that. Well, I don't want to guess in case it goes back like Costa Rica, and I'm just that's, really a, good that's a good point, and then yeah. we'll be on like a whole nother conversation. Hilarious. Okay, I love it. Okay, final question If you could spend a day with somebody you've never met, dead or alive, who would you pick and why? Like, the child in me wants to say Tupac. I love it. <laughs> okay, so why him? I don't know. Like, little kid me was obsessed with Tupac. Again, like, like I think it's it's the rapping and the lyrics and the words. And it just, like, it was, it was magic for me, even though for my parents, it was mortifying and inappropriate. And they didn't know how to make me stop listening. Can I tell you, he's on my playlist, too. Still, I listen to all his stuff. Love his stuff. Do you ever listen to it when, like really loud and then park and people look at you? Yeah. <laughs> I've actually never tried that. I usually have headphones, but that's hilarious. Well, you should see the looks you're going to get. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, that just makes us feel old, right? Like we are not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when the bar was like that we couldn't be bumping Tupac at like the supermarket, but apparently I passed it. <laughs> I'm sure they're loving the language between the language and like how old school it is, you know, <laughs> hilarious. Oh my God. I'm Jean, you're amazing. This has been so much fun. Can you share this again, how they can follow you on social, get in touch, all the things. Absolutely. This has been amazing. You are amazing. I'm so glad to have you in my life and you can find me at Emma Jean author. You can visit my website for pigs to fly.com number four and number two. And other than that, I post like little hearts on Jackie's page a lot. So you can find me that way too. <laughs> yeah. And also too, you do your show. Oh yes. And I do my show, Emma Jean interviews. It's 20 minutes on Instagram live and IGTV and amazing, interesting people keep showing up. So <laughs> check it out and see the amazing people that have been there. Definitely check it out. It's very entertaining. I love it. Emma Jean, you're awesome. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Becoming Next On Scene. And stay tuned for his next On Scene. The 
ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. 